happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really needs your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Robert Evans, and this is part four of Myanmar, Printing the Revolution. And then once we got there, we couldn't rest, you know, rain, sun, whatever. Women as well, we were all, like, tried. When they came, when we were leaving, they were all, like, very fair-skinned, beautiful. And then we went in, and then everyone got tanned in the jungle. We were training all the time, you know, people in training camp. We were driven really hard. And the reason that we were all doing this is because of Minanlai's coup as students and uh, how much he has terrorized the public and the people. And that's why we were we have this morale and uh, ability to get through the training and uh, be able to wield weapons. Zor and his friends went into the jungle as students, programmers and kids. Now they're fighters. They were tech-savvy young people, he says. They grew up online. And that generational divide which the internet brought here came much later in Myanmar. It wasn't until 2011 that people really gained access to the internet, and with it, the new ideas and identities that it brought. Zor's generation are among the first to embrace global connectivity. And now, after having it taken away, they're refusing to give it up. The start of the coup in February, the military... Well, Gen Z was organising online, social media and all that, so... And they were kind of, I think this is from my, my experience, but um, kind of um, organizing around like Gen Z is going to be different than the 88 generation because we have the internet and, uh, and also we know more about the world and can, can communicate to the rest of the world. I think one thing that was big was that in 2008, it just took one video leaking out of the country for there to be big international repercussions. It's worth noting that when people in Burma talk about the internet, they mean Facebook. Phones come with the Facebook 
app installed, and it's sometimes exempt from data charges. For many people in Burma, using the internet means using Facebook. Zor and his friends are different from their parents in many ways, not least in their perceptions of authority. This has led to a situation where the PDF, People's Defense Force units, are much less hierarchical than units of the Tatmadaw. So when we make decisions in our group, there's no master and student, there's no teacher and student, but, you know, the way that it works, there are people who are good, they're older people who are more trained, and then there are new recruits, new people who just came in. So, of course, the people who are there for longer and know more about the situation have more voice when we discuss. So, especially people who were there when we founded this group, there were only really eight people from when we grouped. So those eight people kind of discussed on the bigger strategy. You know, we don't really vote. There, he he says he wants to do it. He thinks it's good. We are there's the seven of us. We think it's good, or we support him, or someone says, "Oh, we don't really like that idea," then we don't do it. They try to achieve more gender equality as well. Although Zor explained that in his unit, the women are not always the frontline fighters. At the place, there's no discrimination. You know, women can, women and men were training whoever could come. But like on the battlefield, people, we don't use women that much on the battlefield. That's one thing that we do know is that it's not, it's not really discrimination, but if women are with us together, we have a confusion about whether we need to protect them or we're just fighting with, with them or they're fighting in front of us. And that there's one thing that is very different is that in terms of mentality, we we can't we never take the women out really far into very dangerous fights. So often they're in the back as backup or to supplies or things like that. Okay. But as you know, the military government, the military terrorists are very very uh, very unethical. They don't follow the rules. So you know they're gonna shoot whoever they see. So even if they're hanging back and they're sending medical supplies, they, they can still get hit. For Zora in particular, there's a lot at stake. After almost an hour and a half of talking, I asked about his parents. I'd heard of retribution attacks against the families of fighters and wondered if he was worried about that. So mom and dad are both, they support me fighting the, against the military. They're very happy. His dad really wants to do CDM, but he can't run away because the military has taken his uh, mother and his sisters. He still has five sisters. They're all still in that military command. They're they're in the military schools. So it's very hard for them to run away. Right, his dad can't defect. So he really wants to leave the military, but he can't. So while... So that the fact that I am there trying to fight against the military, he's very happy, and but he tells me to be careful about my own life. They're supportive, and they really want to come fight themselves, but they can't because of my sisters and my mother. Jesus. So him seeing that I can do it is really wonderful for them. Yeah. So his father... Uh, his other brother and the other people, uh, three of them below him, 
they've all usually just lived together with his grandfather and stuff in the military compounds or near the military. So he really wants to call all the people that are still there, but they can't leave. This is what Civil War does. It traps us in a situation where we can't make the right choice, even when we know what it is. And in many situations, it's pretty hard to discern right from wrong in the midst of so much violence. Zor has been able to fight, but his dad is stuck fighting against people like his son in order to protect his daughters. Thousands of families across the country are divided in the same way, by circumstance or ideology. The military is something of a separate society. It has its own schools and its own culture. But ethnic armed organisations have not been close to urban populations either, and so whole new identities are being forged by Generation Z, while their families often struggle to abandon old certainties. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. 
Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As we record this, Zaw is still fighting. His girlfriend is still healing. Every few weeks, a video of him and his friends pops up on Reddit or Facebook. They have optics on their rifles now and are taking long-range shots at the top Madaw, who rely on iron sights. They shoot and reload like soldiers, and they laugh like kids. The top Madaw still controls the cities, but to move between them, they have to travel in convoys at breakneck speeds. Using ambushes, mines, and knowledge of the terrain, EAOs and the PDF are able to deny the military access to large portions of the countryside. Without a serious change in the conflict, it might stay like this for years. A report published this month detailed the attacks in the Karini state by the Tatmadaw on churches, residential homes, camps for displaced people, which killed 61 in the month since Zaw left the city. On Christmas Eve, in Hupruso Township, they killed at least 40 civilians. Autopsies show some were gagged and burned alive. In recent months, the Tatmadaw has increased its use of airstrikes against targets that it deems legitimate. Ming Anhlang, the junta's leader, flew to Russia twice in 2021. He was proclaimed an honorary professor of the military university of the Russian armed forces. Quote, We are determined to continue our efforts to strengthen bilateral ties based on the mutual understanding, respect, and trust that have been established between our two countries, Russian Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu said at a meeting with the coup leader on June 22nd. We pay special attention to this meeting as we see Myanmar as a time-tested strategic partner and a reliable ally in Southeast Asia and the Asia-Pacific region, he went on. Min An Hlaing was equally lavish with his praise, saying that he saw Russia as a friend forever. Myanmar relies heavily on Russian Hind Mi-35 helicopter gunships, transport helicopters, MiG-29 and Su-30 fighter jets and Yak-130 ground attack aircraft to carry out bombing raids and strafe civilians. All of these weapon systems have been seen more recently in the fighting in Ukraine. One prominent Burmese-Irish family, the Kyatongs, has helped the junta avoid an international arms embargo using their global connections and a network of shady shadow companies. They have purchased helicopters under the pretense of using them for tourism and the oil and gas industry and handed them over to the Tatmadaw. They've also helped shuttle coastal radar to Myanmar, which the Tatmadaw used to track Rohingya refugees and provide cover for several aircraft purchases. To fund these arms purchases, the Tatmadaw has found willing markets for luxury goods abroad. According to Justice for Myanmar, since the coup in February 2021, the United States has imported 1,565 metric tons of teak from Myanmar, using intermediaries to avoid sanctions. In the 2017-2018 financial year, the last year for which data is available, the government received 100 million U.S. dollars in revenue from taxes and royalties applied to the timber trade. In 2021, there were more shipments than 2018, offering the Tatmadaw the chance to make enough money to continue purchasing weapons to use against their population. The conflict in Myanmar remains complicated. It's easy to reduce the alphabet soup of rebel groups to EAOs and the PDF, but these groups and their motivations are diverse. Pierre explained to us that even within the Karen, there are deep divisions. Well, first you have to know that uh, historically, uh, the, the Karen uh, rebellion 
uh, that uh, started in 1948-1949, so quite a long time ago, was uh, led by uh, by Christian by the Christian minority, okay, of the of the current people, because uh, obviously that was the most uh, Western educated uh, people um, at the time. And uh, so this uh, elite kind of reproduced itself in the Kainu without uh, being uh, the, the, the Kainu is uh, the, the current national union huh? uh, is uh, a democratic uh, movement, but uh, you know our elites tend to reproduce themselves. And so most of the leadership, let's say, of the current national union and the current national liberation army. Uh, was uh, Christian, uh, like, uh, and uh, so the the Burmese uh, junta, the, the Burmese military uh, uh, government uh, decided to use this to create a wedge between uh, between the Karen Christians and the, the Karen Buddhists. Uh, and uh, sent uh, monks to say uh, agitate and uh, try to cause this uh, split on uh, religious grounds, no? Uh, and they succeeded in part and uh, succeeded to uh, to separate uh, a part of uh, of Karen Buddhist that created the the democratic Karen Buddhist uh, army, DKBA which then allied themselves of course to the to the junta and to uh, to attack the to attack the KNLA and the, the manor plow which of course they knew all the all the roads there and the defenses and uh, where was the the defenses situated etc and uh, succeeded in uh, destroying the, the capital of the of the Karen national union in manor plow in 95 so that was the situation uh, pretty much when I arrived. Uh, it was uh, pretty hard. Um, like uh, the, there was not so much territory uh, anymore held by the Karen. And more, more importantly, they lost a lot of uh, income because uh, a lot of their income come from uh, tax at the border that they can control, you know? Uh, so, yeah, that was the situation. Not every EAO has embraced the national unity government directly. After all, many of its members were enthusiastically running cover for the Rohingya genocide a few years ago. Many of the EAOs remain, technically under a ceasefire with the Tatmadaw, and the Tatmadaw knows that if it pushes too far into EAO territory, it risks provoking a full-blown response. The EAOs, meanwhile, have been aiding and training the PDF and still maintaining enough deniability that Natat Madaw has not been forced into a confrontation. EAO-PDF alliances look different in different regions, and often realities on the ground bear little relationship to the backdoor diplomacy and official stances embraced by leadership and public. The war continues to have a huge toll on civilians. According to the United Nations, in total some 440,000 people have been newly displaced since the coup happened in February 2021, adding to an existing 370,000 who had fled their homes from earlier waves of violence and over a million people who had fled the Rohingya genocide. More than half the population of Kareni state has fled. Humanitarian access is hard. Much of the relief effort for displaced people occurs within local communities. 
thousands of refugees are camping along the border with Thailand, which is defined by rivers. Initially, many people fled into Thailand, but terrible conditions in refugee camps led some of them to return to Myanmar. Now, they wade across the river for international aid donations of food and water, but they can't bring themselves to stay in the crowded camps overnight, so they wade back to sleep on the Burmese side of the bank. The UNHCR, the High Commission on Refugees, has been unable to access camps in Thailand or Myanmar to check on the conditions, but it has urged the Thai government, which has been credibly accused of forcing people back across the border, to move people to better conditions further into Thailand instead of keeping them in camps near the border. And here we find the unfortunate, unavoidable reality of the civil war in Myanmar. For all the uniqueness of aspects of the conflict, the innovative ways that Gen Z militias have interfaced with older ethnic military forces, the 3D printed arms, etc. At the end of the day, this is another brutal, horrific conflict between large numbers of people who want to be free and a small number of people who want to control them. From Myanmar to Armenia, Ukraine to Syria, Ethiopia to Iraq, and beyond, the novelties of 21st century conflict don't change the fact that at the end of the day, each war brings with it what might be the truest symbol of our current age. Parents saying goodbye to their kids, camps filled with desperate people fleeing violence, and governments all over the world willing to send nothing more than kind words and stern warnings. This is a postscript to episode four. It's not one that we'd been intending to record because it's not news that we'd ever hoped to have to share, but here we are. Um, unfortunately, we found out that about 10 days after we last spoke and a couple of weeks before we released our podcast, Zor died. Um, he died in battle fighting with the Tatmadaw. He's uh, really was, I suppose, um, an amazingly brave and courageous young man. And um, I think that his loss is one that reflects the realities of, of what war is, which is not great and glorious and exciting. It's young men and, and sometimes young women, uh, young non-binary folks, I imagine too, um, dying uh, when they had no quarrel with anyone, when they just wanted to live their lives. Um, two years ago, a year and a half ago even, he was uh, just loving the people he loved, having fun, being a kid, riding his motorcycle, speaking to his girlfriend on his phone, uh, living a happy life. And then someone who had power decided that they wanted to have more power and they decided that it didn't matter how many kids had to die so they could have what they want and he decided to say no to that and that's brave and I think all of us would agree that what he did was right and morally courageous and that uh, that we would hope to be brave enough to do the same if the same thing happened to us. Um, this one's hit me quite hard honestly and um, I know this is my job and this happens it's happened before and it'll happen again but uh, he was such a happy, polite, kind young man. He never didn't pick up the phone. He never got tired of explaining stuff that we didn't understand. Um, and he always answered our questions. There was nothing that was off the table. There was nothing that he wouldn't talk about with us. He was completely open. Um, and uh, yeah, we will miss him greatly. Um, he died fighting the thing 
that we all have to fight, right? Fascism, dictatorship, totalitarianism, militarization, um, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll grieve his loss. Both Robert and I, we've just spoken on the phone. Um, we found out because a contact of mine on the ground sent me a Reddit message with a link to a Facebook post. And it's very clearly Zorin, no doubt about that. It names him. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, it also shows um, him dead. Uh, so we, we're not in any doubt that it was him who died. And, and we're not in any doubt that we will gravely miss him either. Um, we'd both hoped to go over and record with him, to speak with him, to meet him. Um, I'd spoken to him several times on video, uh, sometimes just to chat, not even to uh, to record anything, just just to chat, just to catch up and and uh, look at what each of us was doing that day. So uh, it, it's a hard loss for me um, and for Robert too. As I said, we just spoken. Um, so yeah, that's the news that we hadn't hoped to end on. Obviously, though, this is the reality of war, and as the world is looking at the conflict in Ukraine. Now, uh, I'd urge you to, to look at the conflict in Myanmar too. Another Russian bomb killed another nice kid who never had any quarrel with anyone, who just wanted to live his life and didn't want to live the rest of his life with a boot on his neck. Um, so he decided to stand up against it. Um, as you can probably hear in my voice, um, I'm quite upset by, by his loss. Um, and will be probably for a few days. Uh, so I'm sorry to have to end this podcast on such a sad note. Um, I'm sorry for his family who are now caught between the loss of their son and trying to protect their daughters. Um, I'm sorry for his girlfriend who's dealing with shrapnel in her own leg and now the loss of the person she loved. Um, and I'm sorry for his comrades. Um, they've said they'll go on fighting and I hope they do. And uh, I don't think there's any point really pretending to be objective at this stage in the games. And I hope they win. Um, but I mostly just hope that like one day young men and women and, and everyone else just gets to uh, live their lives without having to kill and die. Um, because ultimately no one should have to and, and no parents should have to bury their kids. Um, so... Yeah, as much as we're all focusing on Ukraine and what's happening there is terrible, please don't forget Zor's comrades. Please don't forget his legacy. Um, and please don't forget him. Uh, we won't, and we obviously want to dedicate this podcast to him and what he stood for. So, yeah. Thanks. Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 
16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.